Welcome to the Freemasons Podcast, coming to you live from Morningstar Lodge number 47. Leave your aprons at the door, my brothers. Welcome to the Freemasons Podcast. I am your host, Right Worshipful Brother George Mudry, and with me tonight, Worshipful Brother Joe. Worshipful Brother Ken. And we are about to start the Civil War in Freemasonry, and we're going to cover some uh, interesting stories and uh, interesting history about the two. But first, we're going to plug our sponsorship, www.freemasonspodcast.com. I have uh, white Freemason podcast shirts that I'm still selling for $15. Uh, hit me up through uh facebook messenger i take paypal and apple on top of that new collection was released new today collection was released today uh really? the joe normus shirt is up oh <laughs> yeah and for those Don't who are interested one. it's a gorilla with a masonic apron and it says joe normus on the back fairly certain i picked the past master's apron on that one Fairly certain. I believe you did. I, I so. don't really have the image in front of me, but let's give some shout outs. Danny Collins, Dylan Schultz, David Hernandez, Taylor Stringfellow, which I've talked to before, which I find funny that he popped up again, but whatever. Jonathan Gatto, Josh Bergano Ibanez. If I butcher your name, I apologize. But somebody fill my cannon because we're going to toast these boys. Thank you for your support. Thank you for liking and sharing and all that stuff. And uh, hold on. Check this while Joe's doing this. Cannons are charged in a line. All right. So, brethren, right hand arms. Arms. Ready. Ready. Aim. Aim. Fire. Good fire. Fire all. Together, Bush. Viva, viva, viva. All right. Uh, two other plugs I want to do. I want to do the uh, Morningstar Car Show, which is going to be taking place in September. So uh, if you'd like to come down, we're going to be there. Um, see more pink. I also want to plug that, too. It's pounding the pavement for pink. And we're going to be running under Leonetti's Lions. And it's uh, to raise money for breast cancer, uh, breast cancer awareness. Uh, Joe, do you want to make your plug? of farm degree <laughs> oh farm degree yes september 14th in monroe connecticut uh starting at four o'clock we'll do the first half uh barbecue during the intermission and then we will be doing the full tragedy after that usually that part usually starts around 7 seven thirty or so now i i heard through the grapevine that your first ruffian is going to be probably one of the he's an all-star cast member is that correct i'm hoping so i've never seen him perform <laughs> and i do have some questions regarding his performance items however um he's been hired and hopefully uh he'll he'll be up to the task he'll be um, up to the task but we also have um the the entire grand line is going to be at this event that's we, awesome. uh, confirmed the date with 
most worshipful Grandmaster Mel Johnson last year, and that's how we actually picked the date. So he'll be there. They will all uh, be present. So it should be uh, a good time. Usually we have brothers coming from other states, Rhode Island, New York, sometimes Massachusetts. Uh, we're hoping this one's going to be a big one since the Grand Line officers will be there. We have our first question. And oh. it's from uh, brother, Worshipful Brother Chris Martinelli, and he writes, Why is Worshipful Brother Ken Tarwood wearing short shorts? He says, Bumblebee they're Tuna. Not, <laughs> <not> short shorts. <laughs> they may look that way on camera. I'm going to come to Worshipful Brother they're Ken. Regular, they, they go to the knees. Yes, they're, they they're, like, the knees, uh, Chris. they're like plaid jams. Your balls are showing. <laughs> Bumblebee Tuna. <laughs> Now I'm going to be self-conscious the rest of the podcast. I, I think you look great. I think you look fantastic. Thank you. All right. Uh, I want to plug uh, Patreon. So uh, but I've been <laughs> We've got uh, Puppet George's shawl over there. Yeah, you can the grab shawl. that. Yeah, yeah. I can throw the shawl over my pasted legs. <laughs> Puppet George did a little uh, preview. A little intro. Yeah. Did a little intro. He's pretty it's funny. He's got jokes for everything. He's got jokes. He, clearly, he's got a little time. He's got jokes. <laughs> uh, I want to plug our Patreon. Yeah, right. I'm not Everybody's kind of public. Everybody doing the short shuffle yeah. right now. You're like, good though. You're covered underneat the desk. I don't like so. a seat. I feel like I should sit that way. Or <laughs> Whatever you want to do. <laughs> Your world. They're just living it. Um, Patreon. Thanks, brother Chris for ruining it. You ruined it. I want to plug Patreon. Uh, if you sign up for Patreon, I, what I've been doing is, and uh, you know, maybe this is just me, uh, people who have been signing up for Patreon, I've actually, I, I said each tier is going to have different things. Like you're only going to be able to listen to the bloopers on Fellowcraft or Master Mason or Past Master. But I've been putting it up for everything. Because you know what? Honestly, you contribute what you want or what you can contribute to us. You shouldn't be barred from the access. So sign up three five seven or nine whatever you can contribute and you'll get full access to everything i'm not i'm not differentiating between you should have special trinkets for the highest levels so. i do i do i'm still working pins on that and all that good and stuff. uh i'm getting freemasons podcast patreon pins made nice i'm again i'm i'm running some 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 finance problems with it so the more people sign up for patreon the, the faster the i can better get this pin. better oh. swag we have the hand and out. it's basically just going to get our uh it's going to be our, our podcast logo, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I also put out a challenge to uh, some people on Facebook. Uh, Joe, do you remember my challenge? Well, you put a couple out there. One was a theme song, and I'm, uh -huh. I'm waiting to hear back on that one. Uh, we've had a couple a of people, logo actually. logo was another one? A logo, logo was the I other, was going to yeah. change and give someone the access to send me a picture and uh, brother – or. Peter Daigle actually was the first one. He's not a brother yet, but he will be. He um, he actually rose to the challenge and made a couple of images, which Very I like. Cool. And I'm kind of leaving it up there. But uh, again, our podcast logo is going to be our podcast logo forever. But I want to make an alt one. Mm -hmm. So, and again, you can pull from anything. You want to make a a logo that's uh, crossed cannons and crossed sabers in the bottom for our for our pirate. I'm down with it. You want to do uh, anything. But uh, I definitely want. Chris Martinelli writes, "Those legs are so white, it looks like a ghost." Oh my God! <laughs> he's a ghost hunter, isn't he? You know, he would know. He's an authority else. on the matter. Uh, he's Thanks, just, brother. He looks like a young Arnold Palmer. <laughs> what? Wow! I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the camera <laughs> higher. Hold on. You're gonna stand behind the curtain now. Oh my God! That's awesome. 
Oh, God. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yep. That's perfect. <laughs> but why don't you show, stay standing, and show that they are knee length. His legs I mean, are still yeah, in the camera. Like normal size golf shorts. His legs are still in the camera. I'm not moving it. What are you saying? What? What? Oh, no, nothing. Nothing. Oh, okay. Just move it. Just... All right, so moving on. <laughs> so self-conscious now. <laughs> I'm telling you, grab a shawl. But anyway, <laughs> sign up for Patreon on top of all the Cabalion, which we just did. We just did the Cabalion and the different seven uh, principles. Seven principles, yeah. And we're going to be moving into the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, which are part of the Mystery Schools as well. Um, we just finished uh, the last of the Cabalion. We're going to be moving to, to that. Uh, but also, you can be part of Discord and... Uh, you can actually have all-day conversations with the three of us goons and, uh, and each fun. other. It's, it's a lot of fun. I tell you, I, I hop in sometimes to see the conversations that I missed, and I actually feel bad for missing them. I love when Rob Fowler posts mm-hmm. some of his stuff. Oh, he with, posted the phone calls from the guy the, the other day. Calls. I loved it. So if you're interested in it. the Illuminati Brotherhood heckling that we do, he posts pictures up there. I was pretty adamant that he needed a lamb, not a coat. <laughs> It was yeah. pretty adamant it had to be a lamb. <laughs> it's hysterical. So uh, one of the things I want to do is I want to apologize for our last show. We had a, I don't even know what the hell oh, happened last. The audio, the video, it was a cluster of just things just went shit sideways. So, ghost in the machine. Yeah, the ghost Gremlin. in the machine just, you know, from iRobot. Um it just did whatever the hell it wanted to do. It kept kicking us off of live. I promise you that that is not going to happen this time. My audio went freaking crazy. My computer shut off, but I, I have full battery. It's So I just want to apologize for the last show. Uh, the, the part that I had to cut out was the shock collar. But if you were interested in seeing the shock collar segment that we did on, uh, you said, uh, Worship Brother Ken, Facebook came out. It came out crystal clear right yeah there's a facebook live recording that was about 45 minutes long i think it was the longest stint that actually worked right and that includes the entire masonic shot color trivia segment so awesome check it out so we're going to move on to the next uh and what we have been doing is george washington's rules for freemasons in life in lodge and again if you want to listen to the full part of George Washington's rules of civility and decent behavior and company and conversation, it is on Patreon. But for this, we're just going to pick out the ones that, uh, this book basically picks out the ones that apply to Freemasons. So we're going to go to number 39. In writing or speaking, give to every person his due title. Wait, I covered that one, didn't I? That sounds familiar. I think it sounds familiar. We'll do two then. How's that? Uh, according to his degree in the custom of place. That is to say, begin our conversations, emails, letters, and phone calls in the respectful fashion under a familiarity is under until a fil- familiarity is established or granted. Address strangers by titles such as Mr., Mrs., Doctor, etc. with the last name or with sir or ma'am and not by their first name or nickname. Yes, we definitely covered that last time. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. Recap. We're going to do number 44. When a man does all he can, though it succeeds not well, blame not him that did it. That is to say, encourage everyone, regardless of the projects and goals they set, even if they fail, encourage them to try again. Uh, I think that's uh, that's a good one. And that's one we definitely uh, 
we, we should always do is to never tear somebody down for the things they're attempting to do, but rather build them up and look at the positive side of what they're trying to do. Never yeah. look down on a man unless you are helping we'll him We'll use up. this podcast. This podcast is being, we're doing this to try to j- getting people to join Freemasonry, and we're doing a hell of a job at it. Uh, we have multiple, multiple people from all over the country who have messaged me and us, and Joe, you've read a couple of them because you're now uh, an admin on it. I think, yep. Ken, you are mm-hmm. too. And we've read the, the notices of, hey, you know, even the, the um, Apple iTunes, Somebody said, yeah, this is the only podcast I listen to, and it definitely helped me in my journey. So that's what we're trying to do. Rather than saying, oh, they're swearing, drinking, and they got some dumbass puppet right. who's right. running around. <laughs> well, he is a dumbass. things. <laughs> there, there are some puppet. truths in the half-truths, yeah. right? We yep. learned that with the Caballion. Yep. Right. But actually, um, remind me to tell, talk to you afterwards. I've got some uh, fairly recent developments regarding our really? podcast and some opinions regarding our podcast. Something we can't t- talk about online? I'd rather not. All right. Let me wait. Oh, suspense. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. All right. All right. So we're going to get into our main topic, Freemasonry during the Civil War. And I'm going to turn this over. I'm going to let Ken take his first shots. You want to And then uh, we'll go Joe, and then I'll take over. All right, brother. So... <clears throat> There have been a lot of interesting stories that came out of the Civil War in regards to ties to Freemasonry. Um, I think the most, the most obvious and the most talked about one is um, Armistead, mm. right during the uh, the Battle of Gettysburg and Pickett's Charge. Um, that whole brother to brother thing. There was a statue made to that, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. there, there's some truth to it, and there's also a lot of myth involved. So I didn't want to talk about that one mm-hmm. because there's a lot to you know there's right, there's, right, there's right, too right. much on each side of the the spectrum and i didn't really want to have to pick it apart but um there are a few other stories as well and one of the the, the best ones that i've read is um about saint francisville mm-hmm. which is a township in louisiana have you guys heard about this i have not heard about this Mm-mm. okay so i'll give you a little bit of background um so in June, in the, the beginning of the summer in 1863 during the Civil War, uh, the Confederacy had blockaded part of the Mississippi River. Um, and it was at a place called Port Hudson, which is a, well, it was a strategic um, convergence of a couple different rivers, a couple different tributaries of the Mississippi and the Mississippi River itself. Um, and there are some bluffs. There's some, some mm-hmm. high, high ground um, on the shores of the rivers. And these were considered to be strategic, you know, strategic area for obvious reasons. Um, so the Confederacy uh, blockaded that route with uh, several ships and also uh, fortifications along the shoreline. Brother Hello. Seth, what's up, brother Seth? We haven't seen you in a while. We're Facebook Live. Say hi. Hi, hey guys. <laughs> brother Seth, how are you? Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> well, uh, Ryan's getting buried. If anyone wants to come to the stag, August 24th, Polish American Club. Is that what you're here for? Yeah. <laughs> you're here to plug that? You're just plugging the stag? Just yeah. plugging the stag. Maybe Gideon can come. Nah. Come <laughs> Just ship him across the pond. Go ahead, Ken. All right, so um, there was one ship, one Union ship that made it through this blockade, and it was the USS Albatross. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have heard that name before don't think so it went on to do some some other things after this but it was the, the one ship to run that blockade 
and it was captained by a man named uh, Hart. Mm-hmm. Let's see here, Lieutenant Commander Hart. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time that they ran this blockade, um, just before they re- they reached Port Hudson, mm-hmm. uh, there was a town called Saint Francisville on the banks of the Mississippi River in Louisiana, and there was there's a lot of high ground on one bank, and there was a uh, a, a church. Mm-hmm. It was actually the Grace Episcopal Church, okay. high up on this bluff. And it was, as most churches are, kind of at the center of the township. And as the, sh- as the Albatross was running this blockade, it decided to shell St. Francisville, where there was a large contingent of Confederate billeted. Um, and they started shelling the church, because the church was obviously, you know, you could see the steeple. It was right, right, right. an obvious center of that, that township, so they were, they were shelling it from, from the river. Hold on a second, um, Ken, if I yeah. may interrupt. Are you really drinking seltzer beer? Get out. Get out. Oh, seltzer? <laughs> Ruby grapefruit, too. Hey, Ken, anything. can you go in the freezer? All right, Ken. Uh, can you go, Seth, can you go, Brother Seth, can you go in the f- uh, freezer? There's one sitting there. Yeah. Go ahead, Ken. Sorry. Okay. So we'll continue. I'm good right now. So, um, so obviously, this is just to give you guys some context. This was one of the bloodiest parts of the war. This was 1863, so this was a couple of years after the war had started. Um, Thank you. And there were battles raging everywhere. There was, you know, this, it's a civil war, the United States Civil War, for those of you who may be from across the pond and may not know. This was a war that pitted brother against brother. Mm-hmm. There were literally families that were split by this war, mm-hmm. and there were brothers that were fighting for the Union, the Confederate armies, and they were, they were fighting each other. So it was a pretty, pretty divisive conflict in the nation's history. So, so the, let, let's go over the history of the, um, the if we may, real quick. For yep. those who don't know what the American Civil War was about, it was about two things. Slavery, which the North was against, south was four Mm -hmm. it was also about money as well the north was very rich with different businesses and all that stuff and the south was pretty much farmers agriculture agriculture and there was a big divide you also had democrat against i think was republican at that point right democrat republican and i believe it was the republicans who were anti-slavery and the democrats were pro-slavery am i correct yeah the political parties meant different political parties meant different things And uh, so that's pretty much, that was the reason what ended up happening is, I don't remember who's running against him, but I know that Abraham Lincoln was running for president. He was a Northern Republican, if, I, if I'm correct. And uh, he was against a Southern Democrat, I believe, if I'm not staying correctly. Might need fact-checking. I mean, fact-checking. Uh, but what ended up happening was Rocco's if... Rocco's not here. Rocco's not here. Sorry. But uh, it basically what the southern states had said is that if Abraham Lincoln wins, they are seceding from the Union. And it ended up starting with the basic southern ones uh, seceding from the Union, such as uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, a bunch of other ones. They seceded from the Union. And then you basically had, I don't remember if Maryland seceded, but you had like the states that were... They were considered southern states, but they they kind of stayed with the Union, or they were split. They really didn't know what to do. And you have... Uh, I'm going to get you a mic. You want one? Are you sure? Okay. You sure? 
So uh-huh. just to jump in with some fact checking here, Thank Abraham Lincoln ran was a Republican from Illinois that ran against mm-hmm. John C. Breckinridge, right. who was not only a Democrat but a Southern Democrat. Southern Democrat, and that's mm-hmm. where the uh, the rub came in. But so they Lincoln see- won by. I think it was a Almost landslide. a million votes. I was yeah, say, it, it was, was like a million eight to 800,000. It was a landslide. I know that. And the southern states basically flipped out and said, the hell with this shit. We're mm-hmm. out of here. Which they, is unthinkable this day and age. Like, <laughs> you can't just half of it. Like, you know, the United States is a united series of well, states that it have was actually founded. Say, We're not part of the country anymore. And it was founded that it was unconstitutional that they yep. left the, the, the union. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically you had the first battle which was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was it Antietam? I don't know if Antietam was the first. It was one of the bloodiest It was one of the bloodiest. Of the war, but but I, I don't remember the name specifically, but I do know it. that they thought it was going to be a farce. They thought it was going to be a farce. Like, Actually, Rich showed up. Yeah. The rich people had showed up in their carriages and their, you know, their yeah. big weird hats and they had the, well, they the did umbrellas. That, they, did, they did that throughout the war. You know, right. That was but this particular battle, they thought it was going to be a freaking landslide yeah. and the South lit them up. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. And they never thought they never thought that, it was that gonna was be, actually going to happen. It was yeah. like a spectator sport. It was a spectator sport. They never thought that was going to happen. They thought the South was going to get basically their ass handed to them. And it turned out that I think the North actually lost the first battle, if I'm not correct. You Again, again we're all fact The first major us. battle was um, Battle of Bull Run. Bull Run. Bull okay. Run. In Manassas, Virginia. Yes. And uh, I think the South ended up winning that one. They sent, They routed the North, I think. And they were like, oh, Shit. Yeah, like, this is a this is a real, <laughs> yeah, this a real is, these aren't some ragtag uh, yeah, like these some, bears kind of right, people. Yeah. They they might actually uh, have right. something here. And uh, so that's pretty much how it started, and then yep. it got rolling from there. And it it turned, it was one the Gettysburg again, of course, was the bloodiest battle uh, in the entire Civil War. But it got nasty for a while there. Yeah, and then once you know there was a lot of things that happened, but. Continue on. Yep. During this point in time, this was 1863. So this was mm-hmm. the summer of 1863, which was kind of the and it started in 1860, correct? Uh, 1861, I think, mm-hmm. is the unofficial start, yeah. something like that. Right. Um, but it's a war that didn't really <laughs> last all that long, as far as you know, span of time is concerned. But there were correct. a lot of lives uh, lost during the course of that war. It was a very right. bloody war. Um, so to get back to where I was, uh, the Albatross was running this Confederate blockade. Mm-hmm. on the Mississippi River. Before it gets to Port Hudson, it reaches the bank of a town called uh, St. Francisville in mm-hmm. Louisiana. So, of course, they start you know, shelling the city. They know the Confederates are billeted there. They start shelling the church because it's an obvious landmark. And then all of a sudden, as quickly as the battle began, the guns silenced. Mm-hmm. Right. So the Confederates, who were scrambling for their lives... Were, were amazed by the fact that the guns stopped. I mean, mm-hmm. they the the gunship Albatross had them zeroed. Mm-hmm. They were landing shells in the city. What could possibly have happened? Mm-hmm. So the Confederates go down to the bank of the river, and they see a small runabout launch from the Albatross under a white flag of truce. <laughs> so of course they're they have could no you idea a bunch what's of Confederates going Confederates run into the banks of the river and going, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine that's basically what happened, yeah. Well, I mean, there was a lot more honor in war back then, so when right, you, right, when right, you right, flew right, a white right, flag, right. you know, you right. let them say their piece. So mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they, you know, there's also no communications or anything right, like right, that. Right, right. So mm-hmm. they let this runabout come ashore, 
And aboard the runabout is Lieutenant Commander Hart, mm-hmm. his lifely, lifeless body, mm-hmm. along with some of the senior staff members on the ship. Right. And what ended up happening was Lieutenant Commander Hart was actually racked with fever. Right. He had mm-hmm. some sort of infection or something. Obviously, medical science hadn't come quite that far back then. And <clears throat> he was so mad with fever, basically went insane, took right. his own life, shot himself. <sighs> In the middle of the battle. Well, so I also want to add that, you know, and again, it's kind of like a an awareness to even veterans to this day that battle has its form of PTSD with oh yeah, people. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I really want to uh, <laughs> uh, make aware is veterans with PTSD mm-hmm. who suffer uh, from battlefield trauma. I mean, it's a real thing. Yep. You know, and again, I just want to add that you know a veteran commits suicide every 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. So uh, support a veteran. Yeah, it's not something to be trifled with. Um, there may have been some measure of that going on with Lieutenant Commander Hart as well, mm-hmm. but the the um, the accounts that I've read basically mostly attributed it to just you know fever. Right. Right. Um, he was very ill. So um, because that happened. Um, obviously, his compatriots put him about aboard that runabout, mm-hmm. brought him to shore, uh, met with the Confederates on the shore, and basically said, "You know, our captain has lost his life, and we'd like him. We'd like it if we could, you know, have a brief truce, um, bring his body up to Grace Episcopal Church, in order to give him a proper burial with full Masonic rites." Which, luckily, um, on the Confederate side, there was a, an officer, W.W. Uh, Leak, mm-hmm. who happened to not only be a fellow Mason, but also a warden. Didn't say whether he was a junior or senior warden, but one of the principal members of the lodge of St. Francisville's Masonic Lodge. So, of course, he was obviously sympathetic to his enemy's plight, um, mm-hmm. allowed them to transport the body up to the Episcopal Church, which is a very steep, you know, steep bluff to get up to the church, mm-hmm. um, organized the entire service, mm-hmm. um, and he was buried with, you know, with a, a, a proper soldier's funeral mm-hmm. and full Masonic honors. Wow. So you can imagine something like that happening this day and age, mm-hmm. where, I mean, first of all, the Civil War, you have to remember that. Um, obviously, it was a war of brother against brother. It was fellow countrymen against um, countrymen. And right. we all had, at that point, for the most part, all these men that were fighting against each other were Christian. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So they had, As a matter yeah. of fact, the Battle Hymn of the Republic was a Christian song. Yep. Right. So they had that common, common experience among themselves. And then there were a lot of... Confederates and Union soldiers that were Masons. I'm going to give Seth so a mic because if he back. talks without a mic one more time, I'm going to just toss him. Okay. He's, he's doing the rock. You're, you're getting out of here, you're saying? I don't have cash on me. Otherwise, I don't have otherwise it was. I got no cash on me. What's the next topic for next week? How much uh, We don't know yet. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> I'm not chasing you out. I'm just saying. No, it's fine. All right. I'll see you later, Seth. So, um, right. So, like I said, all these men. Hello, all. 
in this war, they had the, the common bond of all being Christian men. They had the common bond, a lot of them, of being Freemasons. Um, so you have to remember, these are the guys that are fighting against each other. And when something like this happens, it was not that much of a stretch for them to put an end to hostilities long enough to mm. honor something that was important to them. Right. Uh, Worship Brother Ken, you have uh, Brother Joseph Schultz saying, maybe Worshipable, I don't know. Uh, Worship Brother Ken, any traveling lodge in a reenactment until that you have come across? I don't know what you just said. <laughs> any traveling lodge in a reenactment? Any in traveling lodge in a reenactment, like a Civil War reenactment? Yes, that you have wow. come across. Question Good question. Um, I've never attended any reenactments. I have a couple. You just um, did one, didn't you? Well, no, we did the Civil War entered apprentice degree. So okay. it's it's basically, it's a regular entered apprentice degree performed by our lodge outdoors um, at a different venue. And we dress in traditional Civil War regalia. Uh, North or South? Or both. both? Both. Both. Awesome. Oh, yeah. We have, we have an equal number of Confederate and Union costumes for that right. degree. Um, and we also do it with... Uh, what is that? That's got to be outside, I think. Some kind of screaming outside. It's oh, interesting. Mm. Sorry, okay. folks. Sorry, folks. That was yeah. weird. So we, we don't actually... It's usually pretty quiet up here. usually pretty quiet It must be right below the window. Yeah. So it's not a uh, it's not a reenactment. It's not done during an actual Civil War reenactment. Yeah. There's two people literally below the window, so that's, that's what you're hearing. Let's yeah. throw something out that's the window. Interesting. <laughs> Boom! Drop a bucket of water. Boiling on. oil or Boiling something. Not just oil. water would be fine. Mm. Mm. Or you oh, just yeah. have Puppet George out the window. It's worth, hey, it's worth overdoing. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Keep it down out there. Keep it down out there. All so right. anyway, now I, I forget where we were. I was uh, talking you were about, talking about uh, oh, the Civil War, your degree, Civil War right. degree. So it's not a reenactment. That degree is uh, an actual degree, and we just perform it in Civil War costuming and regalia and try to do it as authentic as we, as we possibly can. There are a couple of members of my lodge that are Civil War reenactors. Mm. Um, one actually is very vehemently a Union reenactor, 8th Connecticut, mm. born and bred, mm. worshipful brother Hal Elwell. Had to call he's him a Southerner, out. right? No, no, no. He's, yeah. a, he's a Union soldier. He's a Northerner. Ah, he's yep. a Northerner. And then we have another great brother in the lodge, uh, Brother Lou, who is a Confederate reenactor. Mm. And they're also best friends in real life and also Masonic brothers, so they That's constantly cool. go at each other's throat. <laughs> you know, South will rise again, oh, you yellow belly, they're like always going at each other's throat. Somebody else said that earlier, didn't he? Yeah, Puppet George, I believe. Puppet George, probably. But anyway, it's, you know, it's a, they're, they're really, really big into reenacting. I could ask them, one or both of them, and ask them if they've ever come across a traveling lodge um, during their reenactments, but I don't recall any stories where they told me that they have, and I haven't experienced that. Good uh, question, though. Brother Douglas Berry Jr. says, King Solomon's Lodge Number 7 has two brothers that travel for the reenactment. And uh, Brother Joseph Schultz says, our unit has 12 brothers, 26th PA. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Brother Joe. Yes, sir. Let me move on to you. What do you got? All right. So some fun facts that I found when I was doing some research on this. So of approximately, uh, during the Civil War, approximately 
410,000 soldiers were interned in prison camps. Mm. It's been estimated that about 56,000 of them were Freemasons. That's wow. how, that to give you an idea of the scale, the amount of Freemasons in the Civil War, specifically in the um, prison camps. There's recorded stories that indicate how these Masons were true to their obligations and how they dealt with each other, even while performing their duties as soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, when they were confronted with the, a wounded or distressed brother, and there are instances of the um, sign of distress being given, Mm-hmm. And recognized by other Masons. When you get a chance, show. Yep. Um, you know, specifically, there's a, an example that in, involved a Lieutenant Colonel Homer Sprague, a 13th Connecticut volunteer, hmm. uh, mm-hmm. who was taken prisoner during a lower during a long march to the prison. Sprague became so exhausted that he collapsed into a ditch. A Confederate officer allowed him to ride in the ambulance for the remainder of the journey. Uh, and with some difficulty, he was able to climb into the vehicle where he learned that the driver and the lieutenant colonel, uh, I'm sorry, the driver and the Confederate officer were both Masons and recognized him as a Mason. And so he was actually able to ride in the ambulance on the way. And uh, the brother had allegedly said to Sprague, as a Mason, I'll feed you to, with my very last crumbs of food. Mm-hmm. But as a soldier, I will fight you to the last drop of my blood. Hmm. To which Sprague replied, I hardly know which to admire most, your generosity as a mason or your spunk as a soldier. Yeah. So these that that gives you an idea of the duality that was there. Yeah. It's like we want to respect each other, but mm-hmm. we're also enemies. Right. Tough thing to reconcile, man. Yeah. So it, 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 one thing that I wasn't able to find out um, was there had to be, like these soldiers must have been wearing, I guess, the, the, that the era equivalent of a lapel pin or maybe stitching it into their uniform. Sometimes they had patches. Sometimes yeah. they would pin a patch onto their uniform. I know... Actually, uh, I have a good story for that, actually. So there must have been some way to recognize, because here that they saw, without him giving a, a, the sign of distress, they recognized that he was a brother Mason and you know, afforded a few more um, could have had opportunities him. to him to, to ride in the ambulance and and not suffer as much. Could have had a Masonic uh, pocket watch. Yeah, something, something. like that. Uh, but they were also, Freemasons were referred to each other in those days as white apron men. <laughs> so that's, that was a, the, how they would refer to each other, I guess, to maybe keep it somewhat veiled from other people. Oh, he's a white apron man. Mm. So, uh, you got another one, Joe? Or you nope, got, good, uh, I'll pass along to so you. So I got a couple of them. I got two, actually, which I thought were quite impressive and i'm kind of gonna piggyback off of joe over here one of the first acts of masonic charity to occur in the american civil war occurred at the first battle of manassas or bull run on july 21st 1861 the act was reported in the boston masonic monthly which started publishing in november 1863 and was edited by edgar or edward mitchell (coughs) Colonel W.H. Raynor of the 1st Ohio left his command in the company of two sergeants, went, uh, in the company of, of two sergeants, went to fetch water at a nearby quick. I'm so, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm reading this and there's their lack of punctuation. No, it's all good. Uh, they went to fetch water in a nearby creek. Suddenly, as they neared the stream, they heard the yell that eventually became known as the Rebel Yell which we all know, the rebel yell. The rebel yell. She cries, and more, more, more. 
Yeah. No, that's not the Rebel. It's Bon Jovi's. <laughs> no, it's Billy Idol. Oh, man. I always get them all mixed up. In the midnight <laughs> hour, oh, the door opens. Cries mom, With a Rebel yell. Cries mom, Should anyway. we break in the song now, or should we wait until oh, later? Wait until okay. Okay. We're live, so we're already made asses of That could be the outro, but that is the outro. Uh, <laughs> you post it. In the thundering of hooves and hundreds of horses, Colonel Raynor instinctively raised his pistol just as the buckshot from a pistol hit the instep of his foot and uh, numbed it. So instep of your foot is obviously the inside of your foot. Uh, that probably hurt like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> also, buckshot from a pistol. Like These are the types of weapons you're dealing with in right. the Civil War. So those who don't know... It's a shotgun pistol. <laughs> who don't understand pistols, and again, we're probably talking to a lot of our foreign audience because they don't really... I don't think that you're allowed to have pistols or guns or anything. But buckshot is basically a shell full of BBs. Right, that yep. spreads out. That and just spreads out and rips just you apart. Rips you yeah, apart, exactly. It sucks. It sucks hard, especially if you're on the receiving end of it. Yeah. <laughs> especially uh, if you're a turkey. Find... <laughs> During turkey season. Finding a large tree nearby, he dropped upon his knees and began to watch the battle rage around him. Horseman fired his pistol at Raynor and missed, and then as he passed uh, by, struck Raynor with his saber. Ooh, Jesus. Lights flashed through Raynor's brain as he fell to the ground, senseless, looking almost dead. After a period of time, Raynor began to uh, slightly becoming conscious realized that someone was tugging at his clothes bewildered mm, excuse me bewildered he leaned upon one elbow and realized that the rebel soldier was stripping the dead he had already taken Raynar's pistol sword canteen and cap and was trying to take his coat the robber being startled at the resurrection of the man he was trying to rob jumped on his horse and rode off Later coming to his senses, Raynor realized that the surrounding that he was surrounded by Confederate cavalry. Two cavalrymen seeking him standing there grab uh let me see here. Two cavalrymen seeing him standing there grabbed him between their horses and dragged him off to a considerable distance. Finally, one lifted him and placed him in front of his horse. They rode until they came to a group of rebel wounded. There he was placed upon the ground, and a group of uh, group gathered around him, cursing him and calling him names. Before uh, being weak from the loss of blood and considerable pain, he had just laid back and ignored them. He, being quiet, caused him even more of a commotion to the point that one angry, wounded Confederate fired his pistol at Raynor but missed. You're a shitty shot if you're within close. <laughs> I'm just throwing Well, maybe they had a head injury or so. Yeah, exactly. They had a bandage over one eye. Then the Southerner argued over this cowardly act. Then the Southerners or argued over this cowardly act. So clearly his friends were like, Dude, what, what are you doing? Hell? The guy's yeah, sitting exactly. there half What's the matter with you? A shot at him now? Stop it. By this time, Raynor had almost wished that he, the ball had pierced his brain. Raynor was soon lifted by... Uh, lifted behind, oh God, a rebel, a rebel cavalryman, and carried to the junction about four miles away. Here, fresh Confederate troops were unloading and healing, and heading to battle. Raynor again met verbal abuse. It was now early in the evening, and the Southern wounded from the front were being treated at the junction in the stable. 
Raynar was first was taken first to the surgeon who refused to treat him because he was a Yankee uh, and who said he had enough others to take care of his own army. So basically the surgeon was like, yeah, I'm screw not you. I got enough of my own guys to take right. care of. You're out. Finally, another more compassionate surgeon was found and his wounds were taken care of. He was made comfortable as possible. So I, I mean, he was made as comfortable as possible, which means he was probably on his way out. Given whiskey. <clears throat> right. Uh, or lady. these two gingers that we've been drinking. So, yeah. I mean, three gingers, but two. In, in, in right. There's two in a bottle, one in a chair. I'm not drinking yeah. the third. I'm just saying. Two in a bottle, one in a chair. Only one cor- okay. corporeal ginger is here. Right. right now. I've been protesting the two gingers. I think it's discriminatory. I think it is, <laughs> I've too. been drinking the other one. <laughs> so he was treated from his wounds. Um, and uh, in response to Raynar's expression of gratitude, pointing to the Masonic pin on Raynar's shirt, Lemon replied, uh, which was the doctor that took care of him, uh, I can only hope that the same treatment for your men if I ever fall into their hands. If you will relieve the distress of suffering Brother Mason when in your power, I shall well uh, be well paid. Lemon then mounted his horse and rode away. So this was the... It turned out that the doctor that took care of him was a Mason. Mm-hmm. Took care of him. This was a good one. And this is my, uh, my last one. And I thought this one was absolutely incredible. Another example is L.J. Williams of Harvard, New York, enlisted in the uh, 114th New York Volunteers at the beginning of the Civil War. Excuse me. He received the Entered Apprentice and Fellowcraft degrees in Downsville Lodge Number 464 prior to his leaving home. Later, during the war, he was captured and imprisoned near Savannah, Georgia. While in the prison, he communicated with his friends in the North. His lodge in New York, through the proper officials, got in touch with Zerubbabel Lodge in Savannah. If you know anything about Zerubbabel, mm-hmm. it's very prevalent in the York Rights York right, yep. Um... He was uh, part of the... So anyway, his, the, the lodge members in New York got a hold of the Zerubbabel Lodge in Savannah and stated that they would consider it a favor in the lodge in, in Savannah if they would confer the third degree on the fellow craft, Brother Williams. <laughs> One night, Brother Williams was taken from prison and conducted to the lodge room in Savannah. He only had his blue tattered uniform to wear, a token of, of his sympathy with the cause he believed in. The officers of the lodge were all in Confederate gray. Although in opposite sides of the struggle, going into the battlefields in the south, they were all brethren. He was then and there raised to the sublime degree of a master mason and acclimated uh, a full brother and friend to those who wore the gray. Hmm. Here's where it gets funny. Later that night, Williams escaped. When asked about his escape, he would smile peculiarly. Peculiar. I can never say that word. Oh, it's a tough one. Peculiarly. Peculiarly. I'm not the only. Usually, I screwed up and can't right there. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Peculiarly. My mic stand is like a lot of problems right now. But anyway, when he asked about his escape, he would smile with a sinister grin. We'll go like with somebody that. helped him grin. escape, perhaps. Right. Yeah. You might put down, uh, you might put it down as an escape, but it wasn't exactly an escape, strictly speaking. 
They put me in a boat and carried me off to some distance. Then they deposited me on neutral soil between the lines. Hmm. From there, Williams was able to find his friends. Williams never knew who exactly helped him escape. This is great. You'll love this. He considered it to be their secret, and it was never disclosed. Williams stated, I know exactly to whom I may attribute to my escape. His name was Hiram. That is <laughs> that is pretty cool. Awesome. That's perfect. That's, that's great. awesome. Wow. That is a, a phenomenal story. I read that earlier. I'm like, wow, that is, cool. awesome. that is cool. And for those who don't know, Masons communicate a certain way. And we've talked about funny little interesting ways that Masons communicate. One might say, hey, Joe, what, uh, or hey, I see you look to the east. Mm. Right. And someone might reply, well, my name is Hiram. Yeah, it's I mean, a there, code. There are there are codes. There are secret ways in which we recognize each other, and then there are not so secret ways. Right, and that's one of the not so secret ways. So right. when I was coming back from New Hampshire, did I tell you guys about this? Mm-mm. I met a brother. He's a brother in a lodge in Cheshire. Really? Yeah. Okay. Or uh, Prospect. I'm sorry. He's Prospect. from Prospect. And uh, I was in Massachusetts on the way back from New Hampshire. Probably Wilkett Lodge, if I assume. Uh, if there's a Wolcott Lodge in there Prospect, is. then yes. I mean, I know oh, there's no, a Wolcott Lodge in Wolcott, but at any rate, I mean, he had a he had a. Um, I didn't notice when he walked into the bathroom, but he had like a Prospect, uh, you know, Prospect Fire Company, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. shirt on. And I was in the bathroom. I wasn't really paying attention. I was trying to get my my kid to wash his hands in a restaurant, which never happened. Yeah, it's not possible. So I was doing the best I could, trying to get him to do it. <laughs> and this guy walks by or he's like waiting to use the sink or something he's like nice job Hiram and I'm like oh thanks and I'm like wait a second wait (laughs) oh thanks brother and then we got to talk and then yeah so that's one of those ways that you can if you're in company like it's not just you and some other potential mason right you want to keep it on the level so that if there are other bystanders they don't Right. Not and just using this story be. as an example, this is how Masons, in a way, keep their secrets. Because realistically, if he'd have been like, oh, yeah, brother so, so Ishmael. Rattling off some yeah. ritual or something. No, know. no, if I'm talking about in the, the, the story of the Civil War. Oh. Where he, he actually, he the knows Southerners he helped he him escape. Oh, yeah. He knows exactly who his name is. Yep. But the last thing he's going to be like, is be like, oh, yeah, brother so-and-so. Not point right. out, yeah. Let me loose. He let me yep. go. He, they floated me up river and they got right. let that person because could be tried as a traitor. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, so he basically said, yeah, his name is Hiram. That's freaking, that's, that's, that's perfect. Genius. I love it. Like, and I read that story when I was sitting on the couch. I'm like, wow. How freaking cool is that? Is that he wouldn't reveal his name. He just simply called him Hiram. Right. Yep. I like that that story. I was like, wow, that is freaking awesome. That the other probably- cool thing about these stories, and I noticed it in my research, and even just the three that we discussed, every example I found, or not every, most, the majority of the examples came from Southern Masons showing hospitality to the North. Uh-huh. I yep. didn't find too many examples of the other way around. Really? I, I don't know that they that's the case, but I, I just didn't see a lot of. Uh, I actually have one. All right, right. read it. I stand corrected. Uh, yeah, we got to balance this out. No, we got to balance this out. As an example of how a lodge was saved, an entire lodge was saved. After four years of war, the weary and almost defeated Confederate army was retreating and leaving the Confederate capital of Richmond on its own fate. As the army retreated, fires broke out in all sections of the city. Hoodlums, deserters, and criminals 
with no law and order began to pillage the city. Just as the city seemed to be doomed, a Union cavalry unit swung up Franklin Street. The bearded colonel looked wearily at the riffraff around him who were about to fire a building which bore the sign Masonic Hall. Hmm. Taking command of that, of that moment, he halted the troops and ordered that an adjustment have all Masons wheel out of column. Almost half of his force moved out. <laughs> From th- this group, uh, he ordered the suitable guard to, pre- to protect the Masonic Temple. So he actually said, protect all Masons the in the unit, yeah. get out. Get, he had right, them separate from the unit. The and yep. he said, you guys are in charge of defending that Masonic Temple. How freaking cool is that? Very cool. And it uh, wasn't, it, w- it was a confederate temple, It, it right? was a confederate temple, yep, right. but yep. he actually made his Union troops Ordered defend that defend. temple. Yeah, that's awesome. The column reformed and resumed its, ri- uh, resumed its ride. Later, General Godfrey Witzel, a mason, gave the order after a request by the lodge to continue the guard. So they stayed even after they left. Mm-hmm. They stayed in there and they guarded that temple. The building uh, saved the building saved is said to have been the oldest purely Masonic building in America with the records dating back to 1787 and the historical building itself was built in 18, uh, 1785 by Richmond Lodge Number 10. The Grand Lodge assembled here after its formation in Williamsburg until it moved into uh, moved in 1869. So hmm. they, the Union so they soldiers... Actually, saved said the historic they saved the historical lodge. building. Oh, they saved cool. the Masonic Lodge, based off the fact that it was a Masonic Lodge, and wow. that commander basically said, "Hey, all you Masons who are all, all right. the Masons that are in this unit, get out." Mm-hmm. And he said, "You're now in charge of defending that building." How freaking cool that is, is that? Really cool. That is really cool. That is really cool. That's a, uh, and I want to do one more. But we really shouldn't be shocked that that commander was so awesome because he was bearded i believe he's you <laughs> i think he did have a beard yeah <laughs> there we bearded go guys are awesome Here we do go. we want to talk so. about that steamship too or no yeah go ahead you want no go for go for yours first no no, no no i i okay. uh, the, the headline of this story is actually called the final act by a mason in the civil war okay. so that's why i'm leaving it to okay you. so we'll leave that one for the end we'll, then. Leave, right. we'll leave that to the end so um i don't know how many you, you i'll be right back fellas okay you may have seen this. Um, some of you brothers may have seen this elsewhere. Um, there was a famous photograph taken, and remember, photograph you know, photographs was a n- new technology. New Photography technology was then, not yeah. like you know, it had not been around for a long time during the Civil War. But there was a, f- a famous photograph that was taken of a gunship, and it was you know, kind of an old Ironside-looking ship. And I'll show you a picture of it here, Joe. I don't know if you've seen this oh, one. Oh, cool. No, I have not seen that. Okay. You mentioned it before on uh, Discord, and yep. I was like, no, I hadn't heard that story. And I'll post this to the uh, the community page as well and the, the Freemasons Podcast Facebook page so that others can take a look at it, too, if you haven't seen it. But essentially, this was a steam-powered um, gunship. And if you look at this photo, there's the Union Jack at the back of it because, again, this was a, a Union vessel. And between the two smokestacks, or the exhaust stacks, whatever you want to call them, if you look really closely, it appears that there is a square and compasses between those two exhaust stacks. Yes. It's pretty clearly it's a pretty square and compasses. Yeah. Now, you might ask yourself, why would there be a square and compasses on a ship? 
Why um, would there be a square and compasses on the ship? I asked myself the same okay. question, and I had to read this article about it. Um, so this was actually a photo of the USS DeKalb, and the USS DeKalb was actually a renamed ship. Um, it it launched originally in uh, October of 1861 as the USS St. Louis, and it was renamed uh, when the war, um, you know, really started getting fired up. Now, this photo was taken somewhere between when it launched on the 12th of October, 1861, and when it was sunk, which was in July, I believe, of 1863, when it hit a mine on the Mississippi River. Um, we're not exactly sure exactly when this photo was taken, although there are some notes in the lower right-hand corner of the photo that indicate that it was taken during its christening, when it, you know, on its maiden voyage which is even stranger because the captain at the time when it was first launched and all the principal officers on the ship were not Masons, or at least their Masonic, you know, uh, Masonic lineage could not be determined. Um, later on, toward the end of its uh, career, there was a captain who was a Mason. There were uh, several other members of its crew that were Masons, but when it initially launched from port they there was no there were no freemasons aboard so it's strange hope i mean one would think hey if this photo was taken you know shortly before its demise it would make sense the captain was a mason right but it was built that way well i mean i'm sure you could if if you can I'll, i'll again i'll post the picture but if you look at it it looks like there's two struts going in between the two stacks there's actually a right a ladder still up there and it looks like there's just some a square encompasses made out of metal in between the two. So, I mean, that's something that they could retrofit on there. It didn't true, have to true. be part of the superstructure of the vessel. And, in fact, there's no... Um, those who have done research haven't found anything in the ship's records or, you know, anything in any of the records about that ship that had anything to do with, you know, any Freemason references, nor were there any mentions of that square encompasses between hmm. the stacks. So... It's a bit of a mystery. It's still a mystery to this day. Um, there is no good reason for that to be there, but if you zoom in, again, I mean, it's pretty yeah, obvious. Yeah, certainly not a random at. thing. Somebody no. definitely mm. did that deliberately. Yep. So, so it's a weird one. Very um, cool. And, of course, that ship was sunk, so it was lost in the bottom of the Mississippi River. We don't really have any physical evidence to examine. It was just one of those strange mysteries of the war, and, again... This ship was probably on its way down to run that Confederate blockade that we talked about earlier. Steve it was around the same time. It was about a month before that that incident occurred. So. Steve Saborin. He also said, "I agree. That's a great story. Awesome." So I'm going to do the <clears throat> I'm going to do the final act by a Mason in the Civil War. It's going to be our closing for this thing, and then we're going to open it up for uh, listeners' questions. Listeners' questions. Sorry. I had, uh, I don't know, something in my mouth. I don't know, marbles or whatnot. Um, it was the morning. It was an, an April morning, three days after General Robert E. Lee had surrendered his troops to General U.S. Grant. Papa George had a pretty good joke about Lee <laughs> and Grant. Um, the southern troops, led by General John B. Gordon, a mason, were marching in columns toward the northern troops who were standing in formation waiting for the Southerners to stack their arms and fold their flags, which was kind of customary pretty much 
for a very long time. I mean, you had that happening at Yorktown during the Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, Cornwallis surrendering to Washington. You also had, which, who was actually kind of a, uh, I, I don't want to really want to bash our British people. Or our British we have a listeners. few out there, right? We have a few out there. I don't want to bash her, but Cornwallis was kind of a bitch. He didn't even show up to surrender. He let his second command do it, which is kind of a corny ass way to do it. But anyway, I digress. Um, but and you know, not for nothing, uh, General Lee kind of did the same thing. He kind of left it to his second command to surrender, which was kind of a it's a bitch move. If you uh, if you lost, you lost. I mean. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking in terms of looks, you know, uh, Joe should have surrendered to me like six podcasts oh ago. Here we, we go. Here we go. <laughs> Need I remind you who won the Battle of the Bastards? Need I remind you? Who did you? win? It, well, I wasn't oh, part I of it. I don't know if that so. was ever, was that ever determined? I, I think it was determined determine that Puppet George won. Yeah. I think it was determined that Puppet and George won, so. <laughs> I'll just leave that there. Uh, anyway. Um... They were told to stack their arms and fold their flags. Suddenly, a shifting of arms is heard. Gordon looked up with an alarm. There was nothing to fear. General Joshua Chamberlain had ordered... Well, that's General Chamberlain. He was a famous guy. He had ordered his troops to assume the position of honoring... Of honor answering honor. Immediately, the Confederate troops snapped to attention and returned the honor. I don't know what honor answering honor is. Maybe uh, it's, it's probably like a sign of respect, kind of probably thing, coming or? to, to uh, attention and saluting. If yeah. I had assumed, it was the first act to heal the wounds of the nation that had spent four years and six hundred and eighteen thousand lives wow. in the Civil War. Mm. That command of honoring, of honor, answering honor. Ken's throwing his fucking phone, so I mean, we're fine. It's, it's just a phone. <laughs> that command of honor, answering honor, was ordered by a Mason, Major. General Joshua Chamberlain was a member of United Lodge No. 8, Brunswick, Maine. After the war, he became governor, blah, 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 blah. And as for a closing example, we go back a few years, uh, but now we are again uh, on our own state's soil at Gettysburg. Uh, Clearly, the guy who wrote this was uh, from From Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Uh, and perhaps the best example of the ties of brotherhood, of brotherhood which occurred on the Battle of Gettysburg. This battle, the turning point of the war, saw 93,000 Federalist troops during the battle with seven, uh, 71,000 Confederates. Of those numbers, more than 35,000 were killed and or wounded in the three days of fighting from July 1st to July 3rd, 1863. Uh, of the men who fought, 17,930 were Freemasons, including roughly 5,600 who became casualties. Whew, that's a staggering number if you think about it. Let's put it this way. That's more, that's more Masons who fought in that battle and roughly died in that battle than in the entire state of Connecticut. Wow. When you put it in that think perspective, about it. yeah. That's insane. That's a huge number. One of the most famous events uh, occurred at Gettysburg was a huge uh, Confederate infantry push known as Pickett's Charge. 
which we didn't know how Pickett's charge worked out for the South. Not knocking, but I'm just saying charging uphill against the again. I'm, it, was a, it was a move of desperation for sure. I was a, I'm a military guy, so I know that charging uphill against a military force that's yeah. entrenched is not the a good idea. Dumbest goddamn idea you could possibly come out with. Uh, again, I'm I'm huge into military strategy and everything. Uh, yeah, that's taught, I'm sure it's taught as a no-no. If! Yeah. Okay, uh, again, I've listened to Sun Tzu's Art of War. If you are going to charge up a hill against an entrenched force, make sure the sun is at your back. Because now your enemy is blind. Food for thought. Yeah. Uh, just in case, you know, shit hits the fan. Just throw another. In case we uh, have to do that. In case we have to do that. I'd be a great military commander. It's just too, too bad I didn't go to college. Mr. Too Go on, serious. make a puppet George joke. Make, make a puppet George joke. Go no, on. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm the best at everything. <laughs> hey, I'd be the best. You can command. still command a commandery of Knights Templar better than any of us. I most certainly can. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, when we did that commercial, that was totally against me. Oh, I, I know. Yeah, I take my own shots at myself, so I just wanted everyone to know. Uh, I gotta throw that out there because uh, somebody's probably sitting there pissed off. You're talking about me. You're talking about me. Nobody can give you any crap if you're always making <laughs> making fun of yourself. I make right? fun of myself so. nonstop. However, the so commercial <laughs> the commercial we're gonna be doing, uh, and I'm actually matter of fact, we're gonna plug it right now while we're at it. Uh, we're gonna plug our commercial right now. Break time. The Freemasons Podcast presents Real Brothers of Genius. Real Brothers of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Illuminati Brotherhood Recruiter. Mr. Illuminati Brotherhood Recruiter. Only you can flood a Facebook page promising money, power, wealth, and fame. Oh, I got ass lightning. Lion skull, vulture piss. Three white candles from Bed Bath & Beyond. You're going to show the world what it means to be part of nothing. I think that scented candle is cucumber melon. Can I get the ritual on the internet? No, it must come from Madagascar. Oh, it'll be there in the morning. And even though your English is horrible, you're still going to say that you're from the Grand Illuminati Lodge of the United States of America. Oh, you swear you're from Michigan. So crack open an ice-cold orange dry, you illuminated brother from Botswana, because only you can make this world a better place, one scam at a time. Mr. Illuminati Brotherhood Recruiter. Brought to you by the Freemasons Podcast, Seymour, Connecticut. We are back. Uh, so, Brother Joseph Schultz says that I left it open to, to the uh, people who are watching Facebook Live for any questions, uh, any stories of lodge meetings on a battlefield during the war. Actually, there are many. Uh, if you go on the Freemasons podcast Facebook page, I think Brother Joe or somebody posted one not too long ago, correct? About uh, New Orleans, where they actually, I've heard many stories of where the... Uh, either side was actually scrambling across lines to uh, go visit a Masonic Lodge being held. I think it was at Gettysburg, correct? I don't know that one. That's I think it yeah, might have been... Um, I think you posted... I thought I could have no, swore you posted it. I think it was Mike the Intern that might have... Mike the Intern. And he did that on the pa on the podcast page? I think it might have been Discord. Might have been Discord. Okay. So what I'll do is I will actually go through and I will actually... Uh, I will... I will forward that to the main page but yes there are many stories of where masons would cross across battle lines 
to hold lodge on the battlefield. And it, it, I know it was most specifically done during Gettysburg. Hmm. Uh, Gettysburg being the culminating battle of of the uh, Civil War. I almost said World War Two, dumbass. Uh, I'll need a selfie with everyone in Puppet George when I go again next year. We were just talking about going to Masonicon. I actually, we met Peter Daigle there at uh, Masonicon. And, you know, again, I don't consider myself a celebrity or anything like that. So when I... No, we're just normal guys. Just just normal guys. in front of a microphone. But uh, brother Peter Daigle walked up to me and he's like, Hey, brother George, how you doing? And I'm like... I don't know. Oh, hey. And he said, oh, I'm Peter Daigle. I said, oh. Like, wow, I was in shock. Like, You I know, don't... if you want, we could do something where for like, I don't know, five bucks, Puppet George can call you and leave you a birthday message or something like that. Oh <laughs> we, could, we could work something. Anybody that would say, be freaking great. Message, uh, hey, message happy birthday, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, we could, we that could would work be that fun. out. You get a call on your birthday. Yeah, we. Uh, I met Peter Daigle uh, very briefly. Uh, Dan Lewis joined us uh, to the uh, the Facebook Live. Uh, where are you? Why aren't you up here playing with us? Bring food. Bring food. Um, you should bring a pizza. Food. But anyway, oh, pizza really was a pizza right, right now, now, right? So we pretty much covered. Uh, Many stories that uh, in the in the Civil War, and again, it's it's many stories about brother upon brother, as Ken had said, and uh, it's it's a very um, it really brings to light many of these stories of how tight the fraternity is. That even you're in war, and you're able to cross lines to actually mm-hmm. uh, spend time with a brother or attend a meeting because it's that important to you uh even the stories about you know masons protecting a masonic hall mm-hmm. of the uh of the opposing force that you're up against i find that absolutely fascinating or masons going above and beyond even on the same side mm-hmm. to look out for one another there are stories from world war Two and vietnam that i've mm-hmm. heard that um, absolutely that vietnam really Masonicon, uh, Brother Joseph Schultz. Uh, Masonicon is held at Ezekiel Bates Lodge in Attleboro, Massachusetts. Um, it's uh, it's usually an all-day event. Uh, I think people show up the day before. We showed up the day of. Yeah, I think it's the day before. I think they have a, a cocktail hour or something yeah. mm-hmm, the night mm-hmm. before. But it's at uh, Ezekiel Bates Lodge. I think I want to say 142. Um, I know it's Ezekiel Bates. I don't remember the number. I don't remember exactly. But it's in uh, Attleboro, Massachusetts. So uh, we'll be up there. We'll definitely be up there next year. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, We usually go. We went to actually. Where did we go? We went down the road. Not too far. You're asking me. I wasn't there. I was at my son's baseball game. I'm I'm, I'm trying to recount in my memory. It it was a little, uh, I guess, diner down the road. And... uh, we we had some cocktails. We had we got some, we had some great food. The food was phenomenal. Was it a dive bar? No, it was not okay. a dive bar. It was actually. A, I know how you love dive bars. I love dive bars, but no, this one was actually a restaurant, and it was like a a diner. I uh, want to say uh, I always make the joke, and uh, I've had this joke since I worked uh, at a particular mechanic place across the street. Was the shiny diner. <laughs> The shiny, the shiny, the shiny diner, diner the, the Athenian the, uh, the the yeah, It had diner. a very Athenian yeah. feel for Greek, it. Greek diner. Did you go yeah. with the Holy Diver reference? Is that where you're going? From? That's where I was going. Yeah. Yes. Shiny diner. Shiny diner. 
But uh, all right. So uh, did you say that the total death, uh, brother Perry Bartovic, our senior warden? Uh, did you say the total death toll of brothers in the Civil War? Yeah, I don't have the entire. I don't have the death toll of the Civil War. Didn't I you had say it, it was, was the, it, the, uh, I said Gettysburg. To the state of Connecticut. That was the uh, just the Battle of Gettysburg. Battle of Gettysburg. It was. Uh, uh, let's see. I have it right here. Actually, of the men who fought, seventeen thousand nine hundred thirty were Freemasons. So that's wow. those who fought. 17,000. That's more of probably Connecticut and Massachusetts combined. Uh, including the roughly 5,600 who became casualties. So 5,600 became casualties. That is more than the state mm-hmm. of Connecticut. So, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Senior Warden Brother Perry, hopefully that... Uh, and at the time, it was roughly 2% of the entire United States population, which... That's insane. Think about no. that. That's a like, big think number. Think about that. Because don't forget, the United States was basically from the Mississippi to the, you know, to the eastern seaboard. Yeah, more or less. It wasn't right. really... The United well States now obviously goes all the way to California, across yeah. the Midwest and everything. Uh, but the, you know, from the Mississippi to the right is pretty much... I mean, and you had Texas in there, which Texas was part of the southern states, I mm-hmm. believe, at that point. And I think you had the Oklahoma territories and stuff like that. It wasn't technically yeah, it wasn't, a state yeah, yet. it wasn't very well populated. Right. West it was, it was you know, the Wild West, so yep. to speak. Uh, Brother Joseph said uh, road trip. Yeah, definitely a road trip down there. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. That would be fun, actually, to, for all of us to jump to on Louisiana. a Louisiana. To Louisiana. I'm I in. think we would go Facebook Live with all the karaoke we'd be busting out. Just oh, my God. we have to stop at every karaoke bar on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm more like 80s metal guy, so anything like I do know some love songs as we were singing Hello. You are not singing a love song. I will throw you out at the first, the first rest stop. If well, you start busting out with we, You heard me sing Hello before. That was awesome. <laughs> we could all get behind, like, some Cindy Lauper or something. Some evanescence. I can't. I can't. We need to shut this off. You know what? We're all going to take separate cars. We're all taking separate cars. Listen, I'm Ubering in the whole way down. Hello. Oh, shit. So, uh, but anyway. Uh, anybody got any questions before we close this up? It's now or never. I thought we would have more by now. I thought we had more by now, but uh, Perry asked a couple good questions. Uh, Perry asked a question. Uh, there's a couple good questions. I could tell that Vietnam story. Go ahead, Firewood. All right, so this was actually... Uh, this I is, don't know this one, so this is interesting. Well, this is secondhand. This is like a personal story from one of the brothers in our lodge. Oh, so really? So I'm going to say his name. Um, I'm sure he wouldn't care, but... Um, and he's one of those brothers who's a 50-year-plus member of the fraternity, and he's always good for a story. He's one of those guys who just rattles off story after story and he's probably told you the same one six times mm-hmm. and he tells you you know stop me if i've told you this one before but you don't stop him because the stories are so good you just want to hear it again right. Right, so you right, pretend right. like you've never heard it right uh, but he had a story and i think it was his brother-in-law was in the vietnam war if i may yep just uh again i'm not knocking anybody but the last story you told was actually found from freemasons for dummies which what what, what are we talking about now dummy which one uh, the one about uh, the brother from uh, Germany who didn't know how to speak and he rearranged the furniture and everything. 
You said that was from a brother in your. Yeah, family. there was a brother who told me that one. Right, but it was also found in the same similar story in Freemasons for Dummies, okay. and actually well, I mean, one of our listeners kind of fucking coined Not on for that. nothing, he may have gone on <laughs> the, the internet and like found that right, story. Right, and, go ahead, it's a story. Go ahead, fire away. Made it his own or something, but it was a brother in the lodge that told me that story. So anyway, fire away. I just this one. I'm just breaking your. Balls. I mean, you could probably pull this one up on the internet too. I don't know, but he told me that his brother-in-law was in the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was a pilot, so he was piloting one of those scout planes. They're like Cessnas, like the lightweight, unarmored aircraft, not right, like a right, jet right. or anything, right, but a right. propeller aircraft that didn't really have any armament or, or, or armor or anything like that. And it was mm-hmm. just used for reconnaissance and scouting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, flying around, and on his patrol he sees um, a group of U.S. Marines mm-hmm. that are being attacked. Mm-hmm. by the North Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. And he calls in, he gets on the radio, and he gets on the radio with whoever the radio man was on the ground mm-hmm. for the Marines and, you know, asking their situation. And he, 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 he tells this gentleman who told me the story that he doesn't remember what he said on the radio. Um, but he called in um, an airstrike and helped those Marines out, and then flew back to his firebase, landed his plane, and that was it. He never thought about it again. He went to sleep that evening, and while he was sleeping, he feels his bed being picked up in the air. <laughs> the bed drops to the ground. All right. And he wakes up with a start, mm. and he looks at the foot of his bed, and he sees this big brick shit house U.S. <laughs> Marine, and he looks at him, and he's like, are you the brother that saved our asses out there today? And he's like, I guess. And he's like, I just wanted to thank you. Wow. So this, this Marine went on a hunt for this guy who happened to be piloting this plane that saved their asses calling in an airstrike that day. Wow. And he said, I mean, how did he know he was a brother? To this day, he doesn't remember what he said on the radio, mm-hmm. but it was something that that... They had a Masonic underjacket. That guy on the ground knew that the guy flying the plane was a Mason and went out looking for him and just wanted to go and thank him. Quite interesting. So, again, it's a story. It's a story from a brother who I trust. Hey, I'm not breaking your balls. So, <laughs> I, I'm only going based on what I know, but I, I thought it was a great story and figured I would tell it here. Joseph Schultz, he says, I know that several Grand Lodges of the North sent money to the Southern Grand Lodges after the war. Confederate money was worthless. Uh, He said uh, the Grand Lodges were broke, basically, at that point. Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me. Because they had their own currency that was pretty much right. other than uh, at that point was worth nothing. Right. Now you might get a couple bucks for it on eBay, but it was worth nothing at the time. Oh, now? Confederate money as a collector's item? Yeah. You, it really was something, worth yeah. Millions. More than a few bucks. Yeah. Well, I was being a little facetious. <laughs> Way to handle the sarcasm there. Good job. <laughs> All right, what do you say, brothers? You want to wrap this up? Let's wrap it up. Yeah, Let's no new questions or anything from me? Uh, I got nothing right now. So uh, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to... Uh, we're going to close it down, and uh, we will be around next time. Again, I'm going to probably post this one. I have, I've uploaded the last episode with amended changes because I had to basically cut out the entire shock collar part of it because the audio was just 
terrible because of the, all the issues we had. So uh, on the Facebook Live version of that, the audio was pretty good, but it's probably too late to splice it in now, right? You already published it. No, I didn't publish it. Yet. Oh, okay. No, no, no. You I might could be able to get the audio track from that. Might I could right. splice it in, yeah. Um, but this one will probably go out Tuesday or Wednesday. So whatever happened to that lost episode that you and I did up here? I put it on uh, a Patreon. Oh, okay. I made gotcha. the Patreon only. Okay. And cool. it was uh, it was Freemasonry out. and astronomy. Yep. Uh, no, I definitely uh, have celestial it. Alignments, celestial stuff alignments. Celestial like yeah, alignments. If you want to hear it, it's on Patreon. Cool. Uh, again, I try I to make some anymore. episodes strictly for Patreon only. So if you're interested and you want to hear that lost episode. It's not really lost. I just called it a lost no, episode. that's like a whole full-on episode. That's, that's a full-on episode. It's about an hour long. We did yeah. a whole thing about me and uh, you know me and Brother Ken were talking about the astronomy and yeah, so we were looking through our telescopes out into right? the great ether. Mm-hmm. Out there. Great. We were on the roof of this we building. I've got a telescope if we want to put one in here. I do too. We I should s- really go out there with a telescope one of these days. I've got one. We can have. I have a telescope. I got a big one too. Of course you do. <laughs> Somebody's going to read the paper. That's three Masons. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, you already knew what I was going with it. So, All right. What do you say, brothers? We lock it up? Let's lock it up. Yeah, sure. All right. So for the Freemasons podcast, I am right. Worshipful Brother George Marjorie signing off. Worshipful Brother Joe signing off. And Worshipful Brother Ken signing off. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs>